On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. This is Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. From the TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada, here's your host, Matt Robinson. Ah, uh, nuts. I mean, um, ah, nuts. And Michaela Schreider. Woohoo! Beer, 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 beer. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. And you heard the good woman. We're welcoming our friend Michaela back to the show today. How's it going? Hi, Matt. I'm good. How are you? I'm 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 doing all right. Uh, I'm. You sound surprisingly peppy for someone who's had as many late nights lately as as you have. Are you holding tough here? It's a combination of the caffeine and the sleep deprivation that's made me wired, but with very little impulse control. Okay. So it's a perfect combination for podcasting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, how you been? It's been a little while, like just, just uh, right around the holidays. You were on for the Brew Marsh Awards, but uh, what's been going on? Oh, you know, uh, just existing and surviving in, uh, in this world that we continue to live in. No, I've been I'm pretty good. Such as it is, yeah. Every, everything's been, uh, yeah, it's a little crazy right now if you're living in Ottawa. But other than that, I'm, uh, yeah, I love, I love the Olympics so much. Like, I just love watching every any sport uh, any and all sports but i'm i'm a little tired like this week it's the women's hockey schedule has caught up to me and i am uh i'm i'm wiped i was very happy to see that the quarterfinals game is at 8 a.m on friday and yeah like a respectable 8 a.m not like a 5 a.m it's not yeah it's nothing terrible as an as a bit of a night hawk anyway like 11 30 midnight to bed is not uncommon for me so 11.10 is a bit late starting, but like at 1 a.m., I'm tired. I want to go to bed, but it's it, it hasn't become a debacle for me yet. But after a few days of it now and, you know, a back-to-back there that we had, and then there was an hour delay before the Russia game, uh, we can get into a bunch of that. You know where we start, though. What are we sipping on today? So this this podcast could not have come at a better time because we just put in a new keg on our kegerator. Oh, gorgeous. So I get to uh, have one of my first. I've had a pint of this already, but I get to have one of my one of my first pints from this new keg. I am drinking uh, Ridge Rocks APA. Oh, nice! Now yeah, we both with the uh, Rock. It's our first yeah. Ridge Rock beer in this keg, so it uh, we we lucked out. We hooked it up, and like the CO two was just set to the perfect level for for this particular beer because it's been pouring like beautifully from the first pour. Nice. I haven't had the keg going much lately, just between trying to lose a couple pounds and, you know, not having anyone in the house, it just hasn't been worth it to, uh, for, for just one person. So, um, yeah, I haven't had anything on here lately, but I think we're going to change that here pretty soon. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, this one, 
I think I've had this before, but I can't remember for sure. And it was in my fridge. Um, and it was sort of calling out to me today. This is the uh, Nitro Stout from the Cowbell Brewing Company in Blythe, Ontario. Um, Blythe, I, I, I'm sorry if you're listening. I have no idea where Blythe, Ontario is. Uh, I'm sure it's lovely. Uh, but this is the Cowbell Brewing Company. It's their Nitro Stout. It's it's very dark. Um, I do know that much. Uh, they're, they're selling that part hard. Um, and we'll see what that's all about. So, uh, you know me, it's, it's, I've had, I think two or three straight shows now without a stout. So it was time to get back home here. And it does. I mean, it's, it's kind of the perfect day for that. For those who are not living in Ottawa, it's snowing. It's kind of cloudy. We're right in the dead of winter where it's always cold or wet or snowy or all of the (laughs) above. It's a perfect time of year for a stout. Uh, I want to get your opinion, obviously, on everything that's going on at the Olympics and in the women's hockey tournament. But uh, as we sit here, I just quickly, uh, as you do host another wonderful show, a couple other wonderful shows, but this time specifically, I mean the Mouchoir podcast. And it has been a busy day in CFL free agency, a few uh, busy days, quite frankly, in that negotiating period for the Red Blacks. Just at first blush, what do you make of, uh, of how the Red Blacks have kind of, they've made a splash here pretty quickly. They sure did, and I would just like to point out, and I have to, I have to reference my original source for this, but my husband suggested months ago that Jeremiah Mazzoli could be a red black, and I've, I, the second he put that in my head, that's all I've wanted. So I was very happy to see that actually happen. But I can't take credit for manifesting that. That was 100% uh, my husband, and he has let the world know. He sure uh, has. <laughs> He's holding <laughs> that on to that good. tight. Yep. I, you know what? Like, I'm a big fan, whether it's Mazzoli bringing back uh, William Powell, which is mm-hmm. amazing. I think the Red Blacks have made a lot of moves um, that are, you know, that, that let's, let's call a spade a spade. Last season sucked. Yep. And they've addressed so far. I think they've addressed, um, you know, the, one of the biggest issues that's quarterback. Um, we needed they they needed someone to advance the offense more than you know we we didn't have a star receiver and we didn't have a star running back. And now right. at least we have one of those things with William Stupid Powell Flanders. Yeah. <laughs> but. I, I'd like to see more at the O line, and, and I know that you know some of those signings kind of fall under the the, the radar because as much as the O line deserve credit, they don't always get a lot of credit. So That's I I am am going to be completely honest with you in that I, I haven't looked at every single signing, but I know that there's probably more holes that need to be filled on the O line. But other than that, I mean, like they're on a it's been a busy couple of days, and they've done a lot of great things. So uh, I mean, as a Red Blacks fan, I'm pretty excited. We have uh, more on that coming on the podcast as uh, Chris Hoffley and Josh O'Connor. And Josh is a guy behind the uh, behind the R series that they have started for the Red Blacks. Uh, he's, he works in the video department there at OSEG. Um, does a bunch of great work both for the in-game presentation uh, and now this, uh, this series is, looks to be sort of motivated like so many things have been by that F1 series, right, that, uh, that was so popular for Netflix. Uh, so those guys are going to be on. We're obviously going to talk about the series. Um, but uh, also, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, the sort of overhaul that the uh, Red Blacks offense has gone through lately. But that's not what we're here to talk about, Michaela. Um, we are in the middle of the Olympic Games. I'm going to hold you off. Again, one more topic before we get to the hockey. What else outside of hockey has caught your attention so far in the Olympic Games? The The time change has been rough, but you are a bit more of a morning person than I am. Maybe you've caught some, some morning events. Uh, what has stood out to you thus far? 
I have not, I'll be really honest with you. I've not watched as much as I would like to um, outside of hockey because I've had to shift my schedule a little bit and, and stay up later. I'm not up as early as I normally would be. And by that, I mean, I'm up at like six or six 30 instead Slack. of five or five 30. So <laughs> it's still early. And yeah. I've, I've caught, I caught some of the short track speed skating, um, the other day, I, Kim I grabs another medal. Yeah, there. I, I watched her get uh, get her bronze, which was really mm-hmm. nice. I'm I love speed skating. I'm a more of a fan of the long track, just because I find the short track to be too stressful. Like it's chaotic. It's it's complete <laughs> chaos. There's always someone who's gonna fall, and then they're gonna take down a bunch of people, and they're wearing blades. Yeah. So like someone's I just it it stresses me out so much. It that's kind of a theme for most winter sports, like. I'm I'm watching these sports just hoping I don't witness something horrific. <laughs> right. Like these are I saw a tweet the other day and I can't remember who who shared it so I can't give them credit, but it was something to the effect of like some the Summer Olympics are just a, a bunch of events that make you feel exhausted watching them. <laughs> the Winter Olympics are a bunch of events for people with death wishes. Right. Like it's it's just I was watching the ski jumping, like that's another level. I was no. watching the alpine skiing and like I think for me part of it is like I'm, I'm a winter sports person so like i do some of these sports but nowhere near the level of, Olymp- of olympic and i want to make that very clear but like <laughs> i'm watching the alpine skiing and i know how fast i feel when i'm going down the hill at what would not be considered a very fast speed but right. it feels fast to me and they are going down the hill at an objectively fast speed and i can only imagine what that feels like and it makes my stomach flip you know? Yeah, like they talk on the broadcast about like the G forces involved. You're like, no, <gasps> no, not interested. Right? No, Anything where get, gravity like, is changing around me, I don't want to do that. No, and 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 you can just like hear the the speed uh, yeah. where their their skis sound like they're on ice. Yeah, and and you know you know one wrong move, and you, again you could witness something horrific. <laughs> like it's so scary. So, I, I mean, all that is to say, I've watched a little bit of everything, but I, I maybe it's just like I get older and I and I get more nervous when I watch Winter Olympics, but I'm just, every time I watch something, I'm, I'm oh, it's, it's these people are nuts. Daredevils, yeah. It, Daredevils. It's interesting, the way you described it is similar to a different description that I'd heard, whereas, you know, you'd said the Summer Olympics are exhausting, and, and that's true. To me, the Summer Olympics are that one where I could do these things, again, poorly, Right. Not anywhere near to this. Le- but I could run. I could swim. I could dive. I could whatever the stuff they're doing in the Winter Olympics with the, the half pipes and the giant slaloms and the jumps and stuff. You're like, nope, there's not like if you gave me the opportunity, I would not know where to start. Like what? And I'm going to end up horribly, horribly injured. Right. Like, um, So that does seem like the, the Winter Olympics has sort of almost like swallowed up a big part of what used to be the X games. Right. And, mm-hmm. and you see a lot more stuff like that involved too. And it, again, it's fun to watch and it's fun to cheer on your country, but there's just, it, to me, the winter Olympics are far less relatable than the summer Olympics. Like I can't even put that into perspective for myself. Like what my attempt would look like. It would look like me laying down hurt. Like I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, yeah, for, for me, it's the, it's almost a little bit of the opposite. Like, yeah. because I did so many winter sports again, I, I like, I would be hilarious if you put me <laughs> down any of these tracks, but like, I have somewhat of a concept of like how difficult even the most basic functions of these sports are. Right. And then to watch them do things that like no human being should ever do. Just, it blows my mind. I do love though. I love watching snowboarding. I'm not a snowboarder. I'm a skier, but like yeah. 
I, 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 and I love watching like the ski cross and the and the um, freestyle skiing and stuff, slope like, style and stuff. Yeah. yeah, like the 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 aspects of the winter game of the X game, sorry, that they brought in. I find, I love like I love that they're doing that. I think that's a great way to keep young fans involved. Mm-hmm. But I love watching that, and I know nothing about it. But you'll hear me say ridiculous things like he's high if he thinks he's getting out of this without a backside <laughs> flip forty. Like, I, I, I become it's like watching curling all of a sudden I'm talking about the hammer and like I'm making no sense and it's the exact same thing with snowboarding where I'm like what did I just say right yeah no for two weeks we have a whole new lingo we're all experts we all uh, I was gonna ask you about the curling um, well I guess for like Jerry Seinfeld has a bit that said he likes the luge he said it's the only sport that would look no different if you put people in it against their will like you just grab people <laughs> off the street and threw them down the hill <laughs> world record guy didn't even want to do it <laughs> like it's um but the curling the uh, a lot of people i know got really into what this this new one right the mixed curling um the kind of two-on-two that goes on outside of the olympics i know a lot of people are and sometimes they surprise me and they catch me off guard are you, are you a curling person and do you get into the mixed doubles if so so i i could not- see you and josh doing that a nice weekend kind of sunday afternoon and I, I we would uh, judging by the way we play darts together in our own basement. I think it might cause our divorce. Um, yeah, we're gonna live I'm stream not, this if it does happen. It's, yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. It's it's way too entertaining. Um, I'm not a huge curling fan outside of the Olympics, but the Olympics start, and again, much like snowboarding, all of a sudden I'm like, you know, super super into it. I didn't get into the mixed doubles, and and maybe it's because like you know, hockey started before the opening ceremonies, yeah. and the mixed doubles started before the opening ceremonies, and I think I was just like, I caught off guard that that they were happening. It was like and three days of events before the opening ceremonies. Yeah, like, I, I don't know why this, this happens. Yeah. And I, I know, like, I, I often would wake up and find out what happened in the, in the mixed doubles curling, but I didn't watch a ton of it. And I wanted to, cause I love Rachel Holman. Right. Um, so I'm a little mad at myself that I didn't, but I, I definitely followed the highlights and, and, you know, unfortunately didn't end the way they wanted. Devastating. But, didn't even yeah. make the playoffs. Not good for Canadian curling, right? Like, and everyone was sort of like, be patient. Cause I guess in 2018, uh, it was still John Morris, but that time it was Caitlin Laws, I believe. Um, and lost their first game and then went undefeated the rest of the way. And then this year with Rachel Holman, they did, like they just couldn't get it on track. And, um, you know, the Italians ran the table, which is, you know, not a country that you immediately associate with curling. I wouldn't think when you mm-hmm. sort of lay that out, the Australians showed up, this was their first Olympics and, uh, they got a win over Canada. We were sort of everybody's punching bag, which, you know, I don't care for that very much. It's supposed to be one of our, our games. It's giant Crocono. That's what we do. Yeah, I know. It's it's disappointing for sure, but at the same time I do love when a country that doesn't often win at things wins. Yeah. Like I think I think that's kind of entertaining. And again, because I because I wasn't super into it, like maybe once the other curling tournament starts and I don't yes. I fully full disclosure, I don't know when it does. I love Jennifer Jones, so I'll probably be watching that a lot closer. Um, at least hopefully yeah. Lord knows well, what the like, I didn't even totally understand. Like I understand the idea of the mixed curling and it's co- sort of like two on two, but there are different rules and stuff. Like I was asking a buddy of mine the other day, like what is a power play? There's a power play in, in, in mixed, uh, curling. And I had no idea what that meant. He's like, well, you shift the two rocks out of the way, the ones that start, and then you have an easier shot. I'm like, oh, okay, like whatever. I'll just sit and watch this ignorantly again. And 
he said it like in a way that made very good sense, but me re-explaining it isn't obviously going to help anybody. <laughs> um, but like it, it, it's, it seems like as we talked about the X Games stuff, I mean, curling's never going to have an X Games equivalent, but like they were trying to speed it up, make it a little more high scoring, like just change the game a little bit and add a little different wrinkle to it. And it has been very popular. I guess I just don't totally understand it. I noticed, I, I felt like a lot more people were talking about it maybe than I'm used to. So, so I think you're right. I think it did... Uh, I don't know, maybe the speed with which the games went by was more interesting. It's kind of like March Madness, right? Like when you when you make the games a little faster, everyone kind of gets into it. Um, baseball might want to take a yeah. note or two from this. Um, but I, I did, They got bigger I, problems right now. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I did feel like there was more interest in the mixed doubles. And again, like I say that having only relied on people talking about it to get my, mm-hmm. you know, the, the summary, but it... it felt like it worked it seemed like to be very popular so i I, i'm sure it's something they're going to continue but again i'm a big fan of when any like league or sport or organization tries new things and and the olympics you know the ioc for all their problems and there are many Mm -hmm. um they're not afraid to try new things and add new sports and see how they go and and i'm a big fan of that tribes i will make you wait no longer we will uh we will talk about the women's hockey tournament at the olympics as we sit here right now uh canada has completed its round robin but i believe there are a couple more games tonight are there not to finish out the round robin yes and i don't have the schedule in front That's of me okay. but i will get it but yeah there is i believe there's the, another the game quarters this are set um, no the, the quarters are set yes yeah yeah so uh the games that are left to be played aren't going to factor into how this looks so canada's next game will be in the quarterfinals taking on sweden uh at eight o'clock on friday morning as you mentioned um we're gonna see russia versus switzerland we have finland versus um that's correct and uh the usa versus help me out you had the last one uh that uh is it czech czechia there you go yep it's not czech it's not yeah they don't want to be the czech republic anymore i guess it's czechia yeah supposed to uh, i'm always worried i'm gonna get that wrong but yeah it is it is the artist formerly known as the czech republic (laughs) that's correct uh just like right now we're watching i can't believe it's not russia complete compete at these uh olympic games exactly so why don't we uh in a in sort of the grand scope of things we can drill down as we go and as we hit on these sort of things but as you've watched the uh the round robin conclude at the uh, olympics what have you made thus far um both sort of of the tournament at large and what you've seen from Team Canada? I mean, it's it, this is an incredibly talented team. There, there's absolutely no doubt about it. And I, and I know it's it's hard to judge until they play the Americans, just mm-hmm. given the, the competition level. But even against the American, the, the American game was so interesting because Canada came out, I don't want to say they came out flat, but America came out just absolutely dominating. Mm-hmm. And in the first 10 minutes, I was like, oh boy, this could be a long night. And not only did Canada withstand it, and full credit to Anne Renee Debye, I think she put up 51 saves in this game against the States. Yeah, more but, than her previous two games combined. Oh my God, it was she just stood on her head and she was solid. Like there weren't any like, I shouldn't say she didn't, she stood on her head because she was she was so solid in her positioning that there wasn't a lot of flailing. There wasn't like a lot of high, what I would consider high danger chances. Right. She was just really, really good. And what impressed me about Canada was that, um, you know, the States would give them an inch and they took a mile, right? Every single time the States gave anything up, Canada got any chance, they buried it. And when you're being hemmed in, in your own zone and you're being outplayed and you're able to score first, like that's, that takes the wind right out of your opponent's sail. So I think the shots were 15 to the United States when Canada scored on the power play 
um, on their third shot of the game. I think it was Poulin who got that one. Um, I know it was Jenner. No, you're right. It was Jenner. Yeah. Um, so like you said, like you were getting absolutely run out of the building until, and I, I sort of remember when that goal going in saying something online along the lines of maybe that settles you down a little bit. And immediately afterwards it did not like the Americans just kept coming back at them again, harder and harder. Like, Oh my God, we might be in trouble here. Right? Like, yeah. And, and that makes me nervous. Like, yeah. you know, inevitably when these two knock on wood, I mean, anything can happen, but mm-hmm. they are the favorites to end up in the gold medal game. And that makes me so nervous knowing that not only are the states, like we know what they're capable of, we saw how powerful they could be. Now they're pissed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes me really nervous. But, but at the same time, like, you know, good teams find a way to win even when they're being outplayed. And that's exactly what Canada did in this game. And, you know, in the beginning of the tournament, it was, it was really fun to watch like Sarah Fillier just completely burst onto the scene and score a goal within a minute in the first two games. And she got two goals in her first two games. Well, like she well, was so just- let's be transparent here. I, I reached out to you before we had Cheryl Ponder, Pounder on the podcast last week asking Give me a couple names here. Give me a little help, a little insight. Like I had done my research. I know who a lot of these players are. I watch the world championships, but you clearly have a better read on this than I do. So I'm like, just help me not embarrass myself here a little bit. And you gave me a couple names and they were the same ones that Cheryl Pounder spit out when we did speak to her like right away. Right. So everyone had been super excited to watch Sarah Fillier appear. And then she scores on her first shot of the Olympics, I believe, then gets another one right away and just was tearing up the round robin. Like she looked every bit the next, the next one, right? The up and coming star. Yo, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I kind of compared it to when Marie Philippe Poulin um, played in Vancouver and granted that was the gold medal game and she scored the only two goals and helped Canada win a gold medal. But um, you know, she kind of burst onto the scene and all a- any, any hockey fan who maybe doesn't follow women's hockey super closely was like, Whoa, like yep. she's the next one. And I get, you definitely get those vibes with Sarah Fillier. And what I liked about, you know, the first couple games is th- that's where you saw Sarah Fillier really get comfortable and, um, you know, maybe get some of the nerves out of playing in your first Olympics. Not that she had any, cause again, she scored in the first <laughs> two minutes of the tournament, but yeah. You know, then you you fast forward to the Team USA game, and it's Brian Jenner, you know, a veteran on the team, who um, uh, scores the first two goals, and then obviously, you know, Murray Philip Poulin scores an amazing uh, uh, penalty uh, shot goal, and and Jamie Lee Rattray, who's just an amazing story, technically mm-hmm. a rookie on the team, a rookie on the Olympic team, but a veteran in this team because she's been around for a while. Um, you know, I thought that was a really good showing of like that veteran presence who in a game where a, you're being outplayed, B, this is your toughest opponent. You are the ones who are going to step in and score. Like you're the, you're the veterans who are being relied on. The pressure's no longer as much on the younger kids and, and, you know, Jenner and Pula in particular, um, showed that a lot. So oh, like th- this team looks amazing. So does team USA. It's, it's always a coin flip with these two teams. And that's, that's the really difficult part. But uh, I, I really liked what I saw against Team USA because of the fact that they found a way to win a game that they probably weren't supposed to. And I think that's really impressive. Not loving the number of times they've ended up in the penalty box this tournament. I'm not going to no. lie. Um, you mentioned Jamie Lee Rattray. Let's stay there for just a second because by all accounts, it sort of looked like she was going to or was starting the tournament as the 13th forward. And uh, Melody Deu goes down. So far, they haven't provided much info at all on that and really why would they I guess right do you really want to tip anybody off as to 
what the injury is, when you might see her again. Uh, but they have said they expect her back during the tournament. But that opened up a spot uh, in between Nat Spooner and Sarah Fillier, and that's where Rattray's been playing now, and, and she's been playing quite well. Why do you think, like, there was a bit of a time, I we saw Poulain burst through finally, finally, that's a disrespectful way of saying what I'm trying to say, but make an impact, a bigger impact in that Team USA game. But, you know, she, for her, has been a little quiet in terms of goals. She's been putting up a bunch of assists. It's sort of been that second line of Spooner, Fillier, and Rattray that has sort of carried the mail and been a little bit more spectacular through this thing. Why do you think that she's been able to step in there and make that second line work quite as well as she has? Like, she clearly does not look overwhelmed or uncomfortable at all. Yeah, I think it's a few things. Like, the the when Melanie Dawu was playing, the the Dao Fillier and Spooner or Phil Despoon line um, was, <laughs> I can't take credit for that. That's Megan Johnson, by the way, of TSN. Um, that was, that was this team's best line. Like the, right. the world yeah. championships and the rivalry series, they were consistently the best line. So already you've got Natalie Spooner and Sarah Fillier who obviously have developed some chemistry and who play really, really well together. And, and Natalie Spooner is someone who I don't think gets enough credit for her playmaking abilities. And it, it, often seems to be the case when someone scores a spectacular goal, it's off of a pass from Natalie Spooner. Yeah, um, she's leading the tournament. I was checking this out to, in uh, slot passes right now, like getting the puck into yeah. the slot. She's leading the tournament in points quietly. Bunch of assists there, obviously, as Philly was filling the net. Um, she's been doing her thing. And, and again, as you sort of reference the veterans in that USA game, stepping in and making sure this went well, she quietly, you know, she was shut down a little bit, but I thought she was solid in that game. Yeah. And and she she snowed Maddie Rooney and and gave us a shit eating grin that was just so much fun. <laughs> um, and I, I think with Jamie, like Jamie Lee Rattray during the World Championships, she had something like ten minutes of ice time per game and finished the tournament with seventeen points. Like she makes the most of her ice time, even when it's limited. And now it's not. Now she's put up on on the top six. And I think a she's just making a you know the most of her opportunity, which she's really made a career of so far. Mm-hmm. And she's playing with two great players who just I think I think really complement her style. She's she's such an aggressive player and and she's so fast and 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 just kind of like a little uh, like I don't even know what to call her, but she just kind of moves around out there so fluidly and yet so aggressively at the same time that you know no matter what where there's a chance Jamie Lee Rattray is going to be jumping on it and she comes out of nowhere and she's very unassuming and yet like there she is right so I think she just plays a style that's really really complimentary to that that line that had already been so good um, and she just, she knows how to make the most of her opportunities. So, uh, yeah, she's, she's having a great tournament. It's such a great story. So it's, it's really fun to see. When we started the tournament and you said it's, it's hard to judge this team Canada other, based on the first couple of games that they played, because there's always a gap, right? With, uh, with some of these opponents. And so what we did see was, I think you could say pretty comfortably a larger margin of victory than was predicted against both Switzerland and Finland, like the Finns have jumped up and, and bit the big dog on the ass a few times before, or at least once or twice before, and they're, they're capable of hanging tough, and they just didn't at all. Um, and the Finnish coach had said, that's the fastest team Canada that I've ever seen, right? That they look, is, is there enough here yet? Because they were outplayed for large portions of that Team USA game. Have we seen enough to say that this might be the best Team Canada we've ever seen, or does... 
does that come down? Like, we don't get to make that decision until we see what color metal they're walking out. With. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it's hard for me to say that because, again, as good as this team could be when, when it comes to Team USA, they Canada could be the better team, and you just never know who's going to win that final game, right? It's definitely, I, I think the margin of victory... Um, especially against the Finns. And I feel bad for the Finns because they are a good team and they've consistently been in that bronze medal position for a while. Sometimes they've upset, you know, 2019 world championships. They upset Canada in the semis and they went to the gold medal game. Um, I still and think they... sort of an overturned goal in that overtime. They won that game. Exactly. Right? I, I still, in my mind, they won that championship. Right. Um, but I, I feel bad for them because they kicked off the tournament playing Team USA and then Team Canada. Yeah. And that You didn't get your sucks. feet wet much. Yeah. Like, that really sucks. As good as, as, as Finland is and as much progress as they've made, you go up against the two best teams in the world right off the bat. Come on, man. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's a little unfortunate. I also think, you know, their, their roster construction was under a little bit of scrutiny given the fact that they didn't have Nora Ratu on, in goalie, mm-hmm. arguably the best goaltender in the world. And right. She's not on your roster. Um, very, very confusing. So I, I think that there's a lot going on with Finland that maybe is leading to maybe a not so great tournament for them. But I also just I don't think I don't think they had the easiest schedule start. Um, but this team, this team Canada definitely feels faster and more skilled than what I've seen in recent years. And I it, it seems like that's that's an intentional move in the last couple of years. They, you know, they they cleaned house up top with uh, the, the women's program and they made a lot of changes and, and, and brought in Gina Kingsbury and it felt like and, and a lot of us were kind of shouting from the rooftops like you need to get faster if you're ever going to compete with the Americans and they were Canada was just getting its ass handed to him and in the world championships repeatedly yeah and you know obviously they lost in Pyeongchang but again like that was a shootout like yep. It, it could have gone either way. So, and, sure. and I'm not taking anything away from the Americans, but it's not like, you know, they had an embarrassing showing or anything. No. But this is a team, I, I do think that they were building, they were constructing themselves almost like a, a, a an NHL team in the 90s, like a little too focused on physicality, not so much focused on speed and finesse. And right. it's hard when you've got Marie-Philippe Poulain on your team, How how can you say a team is not based in speed and finesse, mm-hmm. but the rest of, of the roster around her, they weren't giving a lot of chances to young players. And, you know, you know, a Sarah Fillier, for example, may not have made this team a couple years ago, just based on her style. And they, they seem to have changed philosophy a lot. And I think you're seeing that now, which is really promising. And I also just think a lot of these young players, I say young players, they're my age, um, <laughs> but a lot, a lot of these players who were, you know, what we considered young players, in the last Olympics or, or in Sochi are now the veterans and they're, mm-hmm. you know, Brianne Jenner, for example, is quietly one of the best players on this team. Natalie Spooner, like I said, doesn't get the credit, but is just so unbelievably good. And, and, and between them and Marie-Philippe Poulain and Melanie Daou, um, they've kind of become the veteran core of this team. And I know Daou, we really haven't seen much of her. Um, she got injured in the first game, but in the world championship, she was the best, she was the best player in the tournament. Right. And I, I think that it's just, a, you know, I'm, I'm kind of rambling, but I feel like there's just a lot of things that have led to this team having a very different identity. Um, and you're starting to see that. I want to there's a couple things I still want to drill down on on the USA game because that's been the big one but just before that we saw the uh, the game against the Russians delayed by an hour um there was complications with 
COVID testing. And I guess the Russians hadn't gotten theirs back in time. And I got to be honest with you, despite the fact that I was already irritated that I was staying up for something that I was no longer sure was going to happen and then was being pushed back another hour and all of those sorts of things. I was irritated by the way the whole thing was playing out. The Russians are on the ice practice or warming up and all these things while Canada's stuck in the room. Russia's the one who didn't have their tests in. And in, in my opinion, you're stuck in your room. Canada's out on the ice staying loose, right? And these sorts of things. And they sort it out. They delay the game by an hour. They decide we're going to play the game. Um, but everyone is going to wear masks for the entire game. Uh, the tests end up coming back. I think it was just before the third or maybe the second, you, you'll be able to correct me, that the Russians took off their masks because the tests had come back. Canada said, we're going to leave ours on. We're not so sure about how the, all this is gone mm-hmm. uh, because they had seen a Russian player come out of uh, COVID protocol and then go back into it, something that has actually happened again since then. Um, what do you make of all this? Because we did then see the Finns decide to play under masks, I believe just their choice, like the they weren't sold on what was happening with this Russian team and how those tests were going. I, there's a part of me that, you know, I, I've seen everybody doing the dunk on Twitter, you know, some douchebag at Loblaws can't be bothered to wear a mask while these high performance athletes are capable of playing a game with it. And I think that's fair. But at the same time, I was sort of like, either this game's safe to play or it isn't, right? Like, why are we asking these players to to wear a mask? In my mind, if Russia was unable to get their testing set and done in time and, and submitted, you forfeit. You don't risk exposing the opponent to it. Um, what did you make of the whole thing? Because to me, the fact that there were masks being worn was actually a strike against how these Olympics are going. It's a bad look. To me, it's not a thing of strength that, hey, I mean, yeah, kudos to them for being able to do it under mask. But at the same time, the fact that it came to that is not a good thing in my mind. Yeah, it's not like you're discrediting the value of masks by saying, hey, maybe the fact that they're being worn isn't a glowing recommendation of the IPAC protocols of the right. <laughs> Olympics. No, I'm with you there. I don't love I don't love the idea that they had to wear masks because I don't know if you know this. Um, hockey's kind of hard and yeah. it's really physical and you're sucking wind for most of it. And if you're <laughs> like, put a mask on me in a beer league hockey game, I will faint. <laughs> like, there's no question about it. I get to the bench and I'm ready to collapse on a good day, let alone if you put a mask on my face. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, th- I think that there's a genuine question of how safe is that from a, a just ability to breathe standpoint. And again, I'm not criticizing the legitimacy of masks and it's not the same oh, as some guy very, wearing it in Tim Hortons. That's right. But I I didn't love that that happened and since since that game six players on the Russian non-Russian team have tested positive and that's really concerning. Um yeah. so you've now I, subjected two opponents to the same exactly. playing space. And and you know did the game need to happen? If if it, and oh, full disclosure, I don't even have a good excuse. I was going to give my myself the night off on Sunday and not watch the Sunday game. I tried to stay up and I full on fell asleep on the couch. Um, so that was my mind too. I watched the first two. I was happy. I was excited. I was like, I'm not going to watch the Sunday game. And then I was up editing our Monday show anyway. It got close. I was like, I'll stick around. And then I saw everything that was happening. I was just like, nope, went to bed. <laughs> like, I'm not <laughs> waiting for any more of this. I, I had planned to take that one off knowing the American was coming or the American game was coming. Uh, when it was close, I was like, well, maybe I'll give it a shot. But I did not wait around long to see how that was going to play out. No, no. And and yeah, I wish I had a good excuse. I tried, but I just 
<laughs> fell straight up fell asleep. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't love that. Again, it, it's a funny storyline that, you know, only in 2022 kind of thing, but mm-hmm. I just, why did the game have to happen if it was delayed by that much? And they were that uncertain of the tests, like masks or no masks, you're in close quarters on the ice and you're breathing on each other. And mm-hmm. I do not love that. We now have every a face off. You're right there breathing yeah. in each other's face. Every time you go shoulder to shoulder into the corner, every time you go, you're in the crease, like, it's not good. Masks are great, but they're not perfect. They are not like, perfect. <laughs> we've we've seen that. Like they're they are a mitigation strategy, mm-hmm. but much like seatbelts, doesn't mean you're right. not going to get injured, right. right? And so I I I just don't think the game needed to happen. I think you could have very easily rescheduled that to tonight, and mm-hmm. you know maybe we just the quarterfinals don't start till Friday anyway or Thursday night slash Friday. Why? Is it the end of the world that we did? We wouldn't have known the matchups for another twenty four hours, right? Um, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. To me, it was a bad look. It, it, it just and the Russians are the ones who take their masks off after two. And like you said, now we've got a bunch of their players in back in in COVID protocol. It sucks to say, but I won't be shocked if within the next day or two you have a Finn or a Canadian or two or three of each or whatever who. Yeah, well, this is the risk you run, right? Like that suddenly we're exposed and hopefully I'm wrong. I'm not even saying I'm right. I'm not saying for sure this is going to happen. I'm saying I won't be surprised if yeah. this has led to it, uh, to it. And for some reason, I don't totally understand the science. I'm not sure if ever anyone does yet, but there's things like hockey arenas for some reason are uniquely bad places to catch it, whether it's the temperature or the ice or the dryness in the air i, I don't know but uh, i would it, imagine the ventilation isn't like and again i yeah. know nothing about ventilation but like having spent a lot of my time in an arena i think yeah. you you need to keep it quite you know sealed off from yeah. the outside world for fear of the ice melting um right. so i imagine the ventilation isn't great <laughs> that's probably a big part of it so why don't we drill down a little bit in sort of a, what happened against the Americans and how it might impact things moving forward. Because there is the age-old question of, okay, I lost to you in the round robin, so I go back to the drawing board and I know what I need to fix. And, you know, in theory, the winning team maybe doesn't change much, right? They, they have the winning formula. And you risk changing things that you didn't need to change. And we saw the Americans, for large portions of the game, outplaying Canada their forecheck especially early in the game was relentless and I think caused some real you know you you quite rightly pointed out this shift that Canada has had to a more skill and speed and talent based roster that skilled um, speedy defense was having a lot of trouble getting the puck out against the American forecheck up out of their own zone Um, what did you see that you would be looking for one point from the Americans, one point from the Canadians that you would be looking to change or adjust before you likely see each other again in the gold medal game. I like there, there's no question that the Americans got off to a great start in that game and just completely dominated Canada. But I, I was thinking about this today, like how much of that was indicative of Canada as a team versus the fact that they were playing back to back nights mm-hmm. and following a game that was not exactly conventional, right? A game that was delayed by an hour, a game where they had to wear masks, a game that like mentally you're probably just really thrown off. Right. I feel like maybe a little bit of that caused a slow start for Canada and the Americans just jumped on it. And and that's the thing about the American team is they're going to do that to you. Yep. Yep. So you can't get away with a lot. Um, but I, I, 
I'm not as worried about the slow start as I think I was last night because I think that there was some extenuating circumstances that probably just led to Canada getting off to a bit of a slow start. Right. But what, what I've seen from Canada in this tournament that they need to work on, and they've this has been an issue since the World Championships, is discipline. Like, against the Americans was one thing. I, I, I think it was four or five penalties that they ended up taking at the end of the a game. I know it was at yeah. least four. Um, they were taking they those penalties. Led the tournament in penalties so far this like yeah. thus far after the round robin. Canada by far has taken the most penalties. And they were taking penalties like up eight nothing against Switzerland at yes. the end of the second period. <laughs> they were taking penalties. Like what are you doing? Right. Well, you don't. Need, and then they did the exact same thing against the Finns. I think it was seven one. Maybe at that point, I can't remember, but it was it was like, like it was a substantial margin. And at the very end of the second period, they took a sloppy penalty. Right. And, you know, how how much of that is, you know, you're up by a huge uh, margin, you're you're sitting back a bit and all of a sudden, whoop, you know, the, the this team gets a chance and, you know, you're caught on on your heels and making a stupid move. But like this was this was an issue in the world championships. And, you know, you can get away with that against Switzerland. And you mm-hmm. probably get away with that against Finland most days, but you can't get away with that against the States. And they did. They, they got away with it in, in the in the uh, preliminary round, obviously, because they yeah, won the PK that game. Yeah, the PK was incredible, yeah. The, the penalty kill is amazing. They call it the yeah. power kill, apparently. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I worry, like, should, should you be that proud of the fact that your penalty kill is that great? Or is right. it just that you have to rely on it a lot? Right. And the Americans did not have a great power play. Like, it was a combination of, I think, Canada having an amazing penalty kill and the States not having a great power play. Well, I read a little bit coming out of that game of the American side of things, and they're complaining that that power play has been bad for quite a while now. For all the firepower they have going back through the rivalry series and the World Championships, they have been unhappy with how that power play has performed as well on their side. So, And I just, it makes me nervous how long is that going to stay the case? Mm-hmm. And, and how long There's is Canada going to get away with that? There. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because, yeah. you know, they, they, again, like you said, this team has a lot of firepower. They could turn things around at any moment with mm-hmm. their power play. And, you know, full credit to Anne-Renee Debian. Again, like, kept them in it. And, and Canada does have a great power uh, penalty kill. But you can't keep doing that. You can't keep taking stupid penalties because eventually you're going to get caught. And um, that's one thing I, I, I really want them to work on in, in terms of the the americans like i don't know everything about them scares me all the time <laughs> like i'm so i i have to like full disclosure i'm so biased when it comes to this rivalry because like i have so much respect for all of those american players right outside of the olympics but the second the olympics start i i hate yeah. them <laughs> i hate them so much there is a burning fire in my belly that was developed at a very young age where like i see that jersey and i'm like yeah so yeah. like I'm just rage watching them the entire game. <laughs> so in terms of like Well, and in that regard, Abby Murphy, good ugh. lord. Is she ever under people's skin involved in like and the talent obviously is there because I think she's only 19 right now, but like the talent is there, but she is and I say this with respect a rat right like she is involved in everything people are pissed off that's probably half the reason canada took so many penalties was her instigating them like she was into everything yeah and and abby rock too who is uh, really filling the hole of brianna decker being gone Mm -hmm. um she's a great young player who who was 
uh, had, hey, she had a lot of expectations coming into this tournament, and she's she's played very well. Um, she technically is both a Canadian and an American citizen, and I'm a little upset. <gasps> Brett Hall playing for Team USA, <laughs> um, but uh, she's she's a fantastic player. I think it was Hillary Knight who said that she's she thinks she's the best player in the world right now, uh, which is pretty high praise. But uh, this, you know, this American team is good, and they're fast, and they're you know this rivalry is unlike anything else in sports, and they just know how to get it under each other's skin. So I, uh, you know, you you know whatever whenever these two teams meet again. I mean, if it is the gold medal game, like it's going to be intense yet again. And my stress levels are going to be through the roof. Y'all thought it was bad during Tokyo with women's soccer. (laughs) (sighs) So get ready for a tweet storm. We saw, okay. Um, We saw uh, Anne Renee DeBianca got the first start for Canada. And I think it became pretty clear when she got the second start, what was going to happen here. I sort of wondered early on if, they might give Emirates Mash Meyer the second game, kind of see how they both go, and then make a decision from there. And once they started Debian in both of the first two with a back-to-back coming against the Americans, it became pretty clear Mash Meyer was going to play against the Russians and Debian would get the Americans. So it looks, by all accounts, and anything could happen, but they have decided and Rene Debian is their number one. Do you believe that the Americans have made up their mind? Because I think at uh, at multiple tournaments in the past, they have in, they've ridden Rooney. They've been happy to do that, but she's had uh, some ups and downs and some injury trouble, and they have come in with a couple of interesting goalies. I wonder if the the Canada game for the Americans was showing that Rooney is their goaltender or giving her that opportunity to earn it, and with the loss, maybe she hasn't. Do you believe they've made a decision? <sighs> I, I going into this tournament, I definitely thought Maddie Rooney was the one, and you know she helped them win gold in Pyeong, in Pyeongchang. So mm-hmm. I feel like they're still going to give her the benefit of the doubt. And it often seems in these tournaments, whoever, whatever goalie, and and like I'm sure there's examples of where this hasn't happened, but whatever goalie plays Canada or the U.S. in the preliminary round tends to get the start in the gold medal game. Right. Because that's that's the ultimate litmus test for both of these teams. How good are you in this tournament? You have to play your best opponent to figure that out. And generally speaking, I feel like you're going to go with your the goalie who you think is going to be there, who you think is going to be in the gold medal game. Yeah. I, I, the the goals that Canada scored weren't ones that like, I would say, ooh, Maddie Rooney has to have that again. No. I'm not, like I'm not. Uh, I'm sure if you're a, a Team USA fan, you might be saying that, but they were they they were goals that often were scored. Um, you know, it was oftentimes a, a pass from behind the net, or a, you know, there was the play from Sarah Nurse where she was kind of going behind the net, mm-hmm. sent it out to to I believe it was Jenner, and just very quickly snapped it home. Like it's it's one of those goals that like it's totally understandable she didn't have it. Yeah, right. It wasn't something that was she could see from a mile away. It was a, a really great play by no, Team Canada. So. A- gorgeous move on a penalty shot there's a power yeah. play like these are not squibbers that are kind of squeaking through her right like these are great oper- or great goals exactly exactly so I, I you know objectively if i'm an american fan i wouldn't be too worried about maddie rooney she's she's more than just one game and she's more than just one score but those goals were also not bad and right. and yeah you have to think too like how much of it was Okay, the first goal came on what Canada's third shot. You you 
didn't see a third shot until that point of the game. Like the other goalie has been peppered so right. far. And sometimes it's timing too, though, right? That makes you lose confidence. It's not so much when you get scored on as much as, or how, it's not so much, you know, what type of shot or how many. Sometimes it's when, like, oh, we needed that. Like U.S. was rolling and to give up the first goal could have really deflated them too. So, I mean, it kind of goes both ways. Goaltending is voodoo, right? Like, yeah, goalies are weird for a reason, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a weird position. <laughs> yeah, I My gut says they go with Rooney and, and Canada goes with Debian. I think that's yeah. probably what we're going to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, anything's possible. So I got another question on the women's hockey front, but I'm going to push it back just a second because uh, I don't want to move off Canada, USA. Let's assume... And you're going to be back next Thursday after the gold medal game. Mm. Let's assume we have ended up where we all assume we're going to end up, which is Canada, USA for the gold medal. I think we can take a few different things based on our world perspectives. Are you an optimist? Are you a pessimist? I think Canada could leave this game saying we won that without playing anywhere close to our best game. We're going to be fine. I think the Americans can walk out of that game going we were by far the better team. We need to bounce or two and we'll be okay. I think both teams probably leave that game with things they can be happy about and things they can work on based on what you've seen through the rivalry series, where for once it's kind of nice. Canada has come into this having won more than they've lost against the Americans lately. Cause typically we hear going into the Olympics, how the Americans have dummied us in all the lead up tournaments. Um, what have you, or have you seen enough to ha- to pick a favorite, to, to make a prediction for the gold medal game? No, Uh, I will never (laughs) pick a favorite because I don't trust myself and the Shrides jinx is real. So I, this is like, I can't, I can't explain how nervous I get for this gold medal game every four years. Like I have been stressing about the Beijing 2022 gold medal game in women's hockey since Pyeongchang 2018. (laughs) And I was stressing about that since Sochi 2014. Like I, I live for this tournament and and I get so nervous for this gold medal game every single year. I can't even, I'm not even going to attempt to even think about making a prediction because all I can predict is that I will shave a couple of months probably off my life. And if, if, if Tokyo weren't bad enough, like I'm just doing wonderful things to my body with these stress levels, I will be curled in the fetal position on my couch watching this game. I think it's a, it's eleven ten start again. So I'm going to be very tired. Um, <laughs> and, and the thing is like, that's the beauty of these two teams is that like, you can't, you, you can't predict it. Like leading up to, to Salt Lake city, the Americans swept the rivalry series, like eight, nothing. Yep. And then Canada won gold. And generally speaking, it's kind of gone that way. Like whoever wins the lead up games and and it was often the States, they often won the majority of the rivalry series games. And then Canada, you know, Canada won four gold medals in a row. Um, So they, they tend, they tended to do quite well in the Olympics by comparison, but it's, you know, I, I take nothing, no real confidence going into a gold medal game knowing Canada has beat the States because with these two teams, it's a coin flip Yeah, and it always is. And I just, I, I can't even get into the headspace to make a prediction, but all I can say is like, it's going to be another like incredibly stressful and therefore amazing game. Yeah. I felt like, because I've seen the overwhelming majority of these, not the rivalry ones, but the world championships I watch every year and the Olympics I watch every time they come around the game on two, uh, the game on Monday night, 
to me, it was a really fun hockey game. It was fun to watch, but actually fell just a little bit short of the classic status that we normally see out of these, right? Like nothing wrong with it. Certainly better than most hockey games I've watched recently, but not quite to that level. But it was a round robin game. There was nothing to nothing to lose, right? There was no win or go home vibe to it. And that's where it will get ramped up in that gold medal game. And so you're right. It's This is always a coin flip. Um, based on everything, you know, my uninformed opinion, to me, I still think Canada is slightly better than the U.S. this time. Now, all that means is on the coin flip, you know, it's 52-48 yeah. instead of whatever. Like, it's not a huge, oh my God, I'll be shocked if one thing or one team wins over the other. No, like you say, um, it's going to be incredibly close, but, uh, it was fun to watch last night. Um, and you know, we've talked about Melody Deu being down. Hopefully she comes back. The Americans themselves are missing a pretty important player in Brianna Decker, which no doubt would have, that was a horrible, horrible injury to, uh, to watch. Yeah. Um, and she's a difference maker for them as well, right? So we'll see what's going to happen here, but it, it will be fun to to watch. But uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling confidence, and I've I've never uh, really had a jinx. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good, good Shreds. You take and that and you run with it. I will. I feel good before every Leafs game seven too, though. So, uh, yeah. All right. So let's end on the shitty thing that oh, happens during the I Olympics knew this gonna come all up. the time. And I'm going to totally allow you to decide how much attention you want to give this. But we see it every single Olympics. Yeah. Some big brain decides they're going to write the women's hockey doesn't belong at the Olympics article because Canada and the U.S. have beat everyone else. And we are pretty sure we're going to see them face each other. And it it discredits the sport. It completely ignores the context of how far we have seen many of these other countries come. Um, it, it, it's a flawed argument and it takes just the most surface argument of, well, I saw these three games and those three games and those games were lopsided. And so this sport sucks. Um, and that's what Rosie DeMano decided to write in the star this week. It was an awful piece, uh, but we do see it at every single Olympics. What do you think? Yeah, I I know we have to talk about it, and and I as much as I would love to say let's not give this article the time of day, I think it is important to address it because there are people who think this way, and because and, honestly, just sorry, I do. I want to let you take and run this. the The media part of this is important. It's different than when John eight four six nine eight three two on Twitter says women's hockey sucks. This is someone on a major platform, the biggest daily paper in the country. And who has a following. When they say it, you have to push back. And I have to say it, and I know that Rosie DeMano has a reputation for exactly this. She wrote this exact same article in 1997, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm being facetious. But she, like, like she's, she's had this opinion before. She's had this backwards-ass opinion before. Mm-hmm. No one was surprised when it was her. Two things right off the bat. This argument always comes from people who do not watch women's hockey. So if you're going to form an opinion on women's hockey, do so based on information you get from people who cover this sport regularly. Number one. Right. right. Number two, I don't believe Rosie DeMano even believes this. I think she saw an opportunity to get clicks 
get, and to get, get ratioed. Yeah. She knew exactly what she was doing, and the Toronto Star knew exactly what she was doing, and that almost pisses me off more. It does, yeah. Because how dare, like, think of a better fucking way to get clicks. It is the year of our Lord, 2022. Please think of a argument that hasn't been made every four years for the last 24 fucking years. This is lazy. It's sloppy and it's uninformed. And quite frankly, it's old. We've been here before. I'm not like, I I almost don't want to sit here and defend. I will, but I don't want to sit here and defend women's hockey because I don't feel I have to at this point because we've squashed this argument so many times. I don't think anybody whose opinion you should respect thinks this. I genuinely don't believe that. But there are people who probably see this and go, well, it makes some good points. So let's address those. One, saying that women's hockey needs to be removed from the Olympics because there is little competition outside of Canada and the U.S. is like saying your wrist is sprained, cut off your arm. (laughs) That's not a solution. Right. Objectively, is there a a competition? A competition gap between Canada and the U.S. and the rest of the of the world? Yes. Sure. I'm not going to sit here and say there's not. Right. Is that gap closing? Yeah. We saw Finland, arguably, win the world championships in mm-hmm. 2019, beat Canada in the semifinals, and play the, the U.S. in the gold medal game. We saw Sweden do the exact same thing to the States in 2006 in Turin. Right. You know, both pro, Sweden in particular has had a horrendous time with their program the last couple of years but not through the fault of the players, that program has been horrifically managed. Finland, you could probably make an argument too. Their roster construction was very questionable. The issue is not, okay, there's no competition, so throw it out. The issue is there's not enough. These countries don't fund their women's hockey programs adequately. So no wonder they can't compete. The competition outside of Canada and the US, by the way, is very much growing. Mm-hmm. And Sweden, for example, sorry, Switzerland beat Finland. I think it was Finland uh, earlier, uh, a couple yep. days ago. Like yeah. there, there are wins and little China got a China. win. Got a win. Like Denmark is here and getting like, you're right. When they stack up against, but you have to step outside of Canada and go, well, they're not right here at our level. So it doesn't count. No, these Olympics are about more than that. And yeah, we're going to see a gold medal game that frankly It's good for business, right? People watch. It's going to be good for ratings. People are going to make money off of it. All of those things that can, for some reason, also people try to use as a negative. But outside of those games, you're getting competition at your level. It's improving, you know, on the biggest stage, it's improving your experience. It's improving your talent. It's improving all kinds of things across the board. It only gets worse if you wipe it out. Exactly. It doesn't get better. It doesn't help anything. Like... I just, obviously look outside of Canada and the U.S. and look at the competition there. Like this is such a North American centric attitude Mm -hmm. that I just don't think is fair. But also, why don't we look at, and I believe it was Nicole Haas on Twitter tweeted this, and I thought it was such a good point. Why not, instead of looking at this and going, Canada and the U.S. are the only good teams, this is a pointless tournament. Why not look at those two teams and go, they're the beacon. They're the exhibit a for why you should fund your women's hockey program because look how good it can be and we've seen some of these programs pull on expertise from canada and the u.s and the states in the past they 
haven't always done a great job of that. Haley Wickenheiser's talked about that, but she's gone to several different countries to talk to them about how to grow their game. Mm-hmm. Why don't we learn from the two best teams in the world? And in, sorry, my dog's barking. <laughs> They're very passionate about this. Um, <laughs> and and learn from them and grow our game. And is throwing this sport out of the Olympics the best way to do that? No, that is the polar opposite. It is an ass backwards way of thinking that is going to solve nothing. All it's going to do is give young women, particularly in Canada, in the U.S., who live for these two teams in this rivalry, it's going to give them no one to watch. It's going to start to hurt Canada and the U.S. And mm-hmm. therefore, it's going to hurt other countries who learn from Canada and the U.S. Like, there's so many, again, there's so many reasons this argument is flawed and why it needs to stop. But it's it's just, it's not the solution. There is a problem. It needs to be addressed. But that, again, if you were, I say this all the time, when it comes to women's sports, it's like looking at two different, if you're a business owner and you own two different stores, and one store is immaculate and well-maintained and you put all your money into it and it does really well. And the other store you put no money into and the paint is chipping and there's not great product and the staff are cranky. You don't close that store, you fix it. Right. You do the same things to that store that you've been doing to the successful store and it seems like women's sports is always just the one they want to close. You went into the, the kid's bedroom, it was messy, so you just turned the light off and walked away. That did not fix the problem. That's what kicking these sports out of the Olympics does. Is exactly. You're just it's, turning off the lights and walking away, and that's not helping. It's not fixing it. It's hurting. Like, Let me uh, use an example here that, that people love when we're talking about women's sports. Let's talk about men. The first ice hockey tournaments at the Olympic Games, Canada was winning gold medal games 22 to nothing. And that was not sending Canada's best players. That was sending the Whitby Dunlops or the Winnipeg whatever. Um, You were just sending our club teams over and walloping everybody. And slowly the gap starts to close. Slowly it takes time. But the Russians go home and go, hey, we can put our spin on this. We can do it a different way. It starts to creep across Europe. The Americans decide this is important and they want to get involved in it. And now you show up to these things and there are a slate of teams at any Olympics or world championships where you go, yeah, they got a reasonable shot at this. That took a long time, but it started from Canadian club teams crushing people by 20 goals in the gold medal game. Like their closest opponent was 20 goals behind them. You have to wait it out. You have to help develop it. You have to keep running it until everybody has had the chance to play somebody better than them to go, okay, there's another level we need to get to here. And and it it's frustrating how long it can take, especially when you then start to factor back in as we take the men's view out of it, but you start to factor in the the inequality in the resources being given to the two. But that's an example of you, the Olympics could have looked at men's ice hockey and went, this is stupid. We're not going to keep doing this. No, you use it to grow the game. And that's what has to happen here. It has to be given time to develop because we are seeing that develop. And it is only, you said Rosie DeManos had this opinion since 1997. She was closer to correct in 1997 than she is now. It's Same. better. It's better now than it's ever been. And you said it correctly. It's not good enough, but it takes time and you have to stick with it and you have to keep building. That's where it's at. Punting it out at this point is a ridiculous thing to say. And if we're going to look at the men's side, go back to 1988 and look to the previous 40 years. Yep. Two teams won a gold medal. The Soviet Union 
and the United States. Mm-hmm. And those like, two American ones were, they call it themselves a miracle. <laughs> exactly. It was a one team comp. Even the Americans went, that had no business happening. Right? We don't know how this happened. <laughs> and not, I, I mean, I wasn't alive then, so I can't say this, but I'm sure no one was saying, let's take men's hockey out of the Olympics. No. That is a ridiculous. Let's make Disney argument. movies about how to beat the big scary Russians is what they did. It's, and, and the final thing I'll say is like, again, I do not believe Rosie DeMano believes this. And I do not believe most, I, I do not believe anybody writing an article like this in the year of our Lord 2022 truly believes this. I think they're doing it for attention. But if you can watch Canada and the U.S. in any, in women's hockey, in any game, whether it's the rivalry series, the preliminary round we just watched, or the gold medal game, if you can watch that and say, this shouldn't be a sport in the Olympics, you live a miserable life. And I, I truly, I feel bad for you. If you can look at that and take no joy and excitement from it, you shouldn't be watching hockey because you clearly hate it. This rivalry is unlike anything in sports. Mm-hmm. And to say that this, even even if it was just Canada and the US, like even if these were the only two teams in the tournament, it is one of the most entertaining parts of this tournament for a lot of people. And screw you if you think that that's not entertaining. You clearly have your own issues. So I'm I, again, I'm not... I can't take anybody's opinion who who thinks like that seriously because good lord is this ever an entertaining rivalry and if you don't if you don't take some entertainment from that then I mean I think that says more about you. We're going to get some more of that entertainment in all likelihood next Wednesday, which means you'll be back next Thursday to uh, help us break down the uh, the playoffs and everything that has happened. Hopefully you'll be in a good mood. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh Shrides, Matty Lang is coming in on Thursday morning. He's going to talk about the Super Bowl. Got the LA Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. Who do you like? Ooh, who I like and who I want to see win is the Bengals. <laughs> okay. I love Joe Burrow. I am all aboard the Bengals train. Um, it's hard to say. Honestly, this is, I feel like, again, this, I'm, maybe I just don't like making predictions. Um, <laughs> this is a game I can definitely see going Either way, I really want to see the Bengals win, though. I think that's a great storyline. Um, I, I also, I mean, like, it's hard to root against Matt Stafford. So Yeah, he's had a hard go thus far. He's had a tough <laughs> go of it, man. And and these are, again, these are two quarterbacks that I really like. So so I am I just hope both teams have fun. Um, <laughs> listen, nice. as a Patriots fan, right? it's been a weird year. <laughs> yeah. It's been a weird couple of months. So Do I'm you believe just, Tom is done? Do you actually believe it? I'm not sold. Friggin' guy, man. He even said today, oh, you never say never. And I'm like, unless you're signing a fucking one-year contract with the Patriots and coming back, I don't want to hear it. Not interested, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Like, this guy is toyed with my heart. I will say this, though, and like not to go on too much of a tangent, but say what you will about Tom Brady and think what you will about Tom Brady. You can't deny he's the greatest quarterback of all time. And to have his retirement kind of pulled out from under him the way it was yes. with the initial report that sucks like well, and then even for him to eventually this. just be like all right i guess i'll just do it on instagram then like, yeah <laughs> like it you know he's tom brady man you know he had a plan it, you know his me, whole that's team the part that plan. makes me go this isn't over he's not done yeah that's the part that right. i'm like that that goes nah this isn't it like you're right maybe it's way out of tampa but uh i'm not sure he's done but uh We'll see. We got time. It's going to be a fun game. To me, these are two 
I don't know. It it it's kind of fun. Like this isn't a matchup that we've seen before in the Super Bowl, right? Like the the LA Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals and the Bengals in particular. You know, a long suffering fan base had been through some some rough years. So uh, this should be an awesome Super Bowl. I'm looking forward to it. Shri- uh, Shrides, Screeds, I almost crossed up your nicknames there. You got a bunch of places where you're active right now. Tell the good people where they can hear you when you're not kicking around here. You can find me. Well, you can always find me on Twitter at Shrides, S C H R E I D S. You can find me on uh, TSN Radio uh, on She's Got Game, which is a show dedicated to women's sports. It airs across the TSN Radio Network. If you are here in Ottawa, it is Fridays at 6 p.m. on TSN 1200, but check out your local TSN radio website for all of our shows because they're all podcasted there. And you can also find me on the Mouchoir podcast, uh, Mouchoir, a Red Blacks podcast with my co-host Janine. Have a feeling we might have an episode drop very soon, uh, given everything so. that's gone on this week. So uh, stay tuned for that. Appreciate you doing this. Damn it. Scrides. There's it was Shreeds, and then it was Scrides. I can't, I can't keep them straight. Uh, really appreciate you making the time for us. Uh, it's, it's always fun when you drop by, have a pint, and uh, and there was no better time than uh, the women's Olympic hockey tournament uh, to make sure you were on. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Talkin Audio, and uh, like I said, Maddie Lang here on Thursday to break down the Super Bowl. Chris Hoffley and Josh O'Connor coming up to take a look at behind the R and, of course, everything that's going on in CFL free agency. Lots coming up. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now. Find all the episodes at TalkAndAudio.com. For Michaela Schreider, my name is Matt Robinson, and we'll see you all next time. It is over! Now that's a tasty beverage. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCan Audio on your favorite podcast app.